we have Sunday stroll with Pat Mays. Is that today, Pat? Where are we strolling? Deep Run. Deep Run Park. So if anybody's interested in a Sunday stroll, Pat has got us covered. She, maybe. Is anyone planning to have Sunday stroll? Not that I can tell. Pat does want to remind you it is supposed to be 96 or 97 degrees, so think hard before you decide to stroll. Holly is on vacation. Um, in your bulletin, you can see who our elders are that are covering right now. Um, I think y'all know me, but I am Reverend Jamie Lynn Haskins. I'm a member here, but with Pat Mays, the two of us are your elders on call for a while. And then, till Saturday. And then we head to GA, and who is up next? Awesome, Jamie Babzak and Betty Butterworth. All right, and our mission trippers are in Maine as we speak, doing good work on behalf of 7th Street. So we would just remind y'all to hold um, them in your prayers this week. Any other announcements before we go to God in worship this morning? All right, let us worship our Lord. Please stand for the call to worship. The world cries to us in its distress. How shall we answer? The world cries to us in its distress. How shall we answer? The world cries to us in its distress. How shall we answer? The world cries to us in its distress. How shall we answer? Okay, please join in hymn one um, five seventeen. Verses 1, 3, and 4. Love divine, all loves excelling.
Please join in our confession. Lord of justice and mercy, we come to you this day seeking your forgiveness, your reconciling love. So often we fail to hear the cries of others. We shut ourselves off and walk by those who seek your justice and your peace. We forget your call and we serve ourselves rather than serving you and your people. We yearn to be different. Do not lose heart. In God, we are beloved and already reconciled and made new. On this day, when we recommit ourselves to be people of God's justice and God's peace, God hears us, redeems us, calls us good, and prepares us for the work ahead. And now at peace with God, please join in offering the peace of Christ to one another. Please be seated. Our first reading is from the Psalm, 20, Psalm 82. God has taken his place in the divine council. In the midst of the gods, he holds judgment. How long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? Selah. Give justice to the weak and the orphan. Maintain the right of the lowly and the destitute. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. They have neither knowledge nor understanding. They walk around in darkness. 
all the foundations of the earth are shaken. I say, you are God's, children of the Most High, all of you. Nevertheless, you shall die like mortals and fall like any prince. Rise up, O God, judge the earth, for all the nations belong to you. The word of the Lord. First, I want to thank Janet. She showed up at church today and realized she was doing double or triple duty, and she has been faithful this morning. So thank you, Janet. <laughs> Our second scripture this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. Just then, a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? He answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down the road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came near him, and when he saw him, he was moved with pity. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him, and when I come back, I will repay you whatever more you spend. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. The word of the Lord. <clears throat> I sat at my desk in one of the larger classrooms at Vanderbilt Divinity School, and I was anxious. It was the beginning of the second semester of my first year, and I was dreading my New Testament class. I have already confessed to some in this uh, church that I dropped out of Greek on the first day. So, I was nervous about New Testament. You see, I had heard things about this professor. She was mythic, a legend. Stories floated around the Divinity School, passed from student to student. One of the hardest professors I've ever had. When you turn in a paper, you'll get comments in red ink that are longer than the paper was to start with. She pushes you. She expects the best from you. She demands hard work and commitment. Her name is Dr. Amy Jill Levine. She is one of the best New Testament scholars in the country. 
She is a gifted researcher and writer, an incredible teacher, and a faithful Jew. And when she walks into a room, she commands the attention of every person gathered. She is all of five foot two, a petite woman, and she always wears fabulous heels. On that first day of class 10 years ago, she strode into the classroom in at least three-inch shoes, walked to the front of the room, promptly kicked them off, and then barefoot and poised as all get out, she began her lecture. At some point on that first day of our class together, she said these words. Jesus should startle you. Jesus' teachings should shock you. And if he doesn't, and they don't, you're doing something wrong. Jesus should startle you. His teachings should shock you. And if he doesn't, and they don't, you're doing something wrong. Today, we are diving into the parable of the Good Samaritan. For some of us, it's a well-known story. A wounded man is lying in a ditch, and a Samaritan stops to help him. Often in the church, we package this parable very neatly. It fits into the fairly straightforward box of be nice. And then we wrap it in the paper of give to charity when you can. And then we put a big old domesticated bow on it and interpret its general meaning to be, be nice to your neighbors. Now I know for the people of 7th Street, we can safely say we've got this interpretation of the parable taken care of. We know how to be nice to people and it's fairly simple to donate to charities and we do that well. And I am so proud to be a part of this congregation. We are nice to our neighbors. We talk to the folks at the Greek Orthodox Church and whoever parks in our parking lot, whether or not we know them. And we're as kind as we can. Check, check, check. I guess we've got it all taken care of and we're all done. Next. Not so fast, though. Because then there's Dr. Amy Jill Levine and her words that greet us here this morning as we consider this 10th chapter of the Gospel of Luke. Jesus should startle you. His teachings should shock you. And if he doesn't and they don't, you're doing something wrong. It has been said that a Christian should approach the world with a Bible in one hand and a newspaper in the other. As people who strive to follow Jesus, we must make sure our faith is engaging the world and what's unfolding around us. We cannot keep ourselves separate and removed from current events, but instead we must be present with our feet firmly planted on the front lines as life moves and changes in our midst. And right now, it's not just the Bible in our left hand and the teachings of Jesus that should shock us this morning. The newspaper in our other hand should also shock us too. Because the front lines of our world in this moment are indeed shocking, uncomfortable, and painful to observe. Last week, many of us opened the newspaper or scrolled through Facebook or turned on the television to see startling pictures of immigrant children in detention camps. Now I know we may feel differently here at 7th Street about issues of immigration and that is okay. I am not going to tell us how we should feel about immigration. One of the beautiful things I actually love about this church and this tradition 
is that we get to believe whatever we want, and every week we show up together and we do church. We gather at the table, and I love it. But no matter where we are on the political spectrum, it never feels good to open your newspaper or turn on the television and see pictures of children behind fences, sleeping under aluminum blankets, living on mats or cots pushed edge to edge, crammed into spaces where no child should ever be asked to live. Let alone hundreds and hundreds, thousands and thousands of children, some separated from their parents through forced separation, and some of them dying while under our care. This is what the newspaper we hold in our hands is telling us right now. And if we are reading with a newspaper in one hand and a Bible in the other, then surely, surely the Bible must have something to say to this situation. Jesus should startle you, his teachings should shock you, and if he doesn't and they don't, you're doing something wrong. So let's look at again at our parable this morning, the parable of the Good Samaritan. A man was going from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. The first man we meet in this parable, our victim of violence, is walking an incredibly dangerous path as he makes his way from Jerusalem to Jericho. Jesus' audience, those gathered around Jesus that morning as he shared this parable, they would have known that and they would have felt uncomfortable and uneasy as they waited for the rest of the story. It was a busy road, but the terrain was incredibly isolated, and there were lots of hiding places and escape routes for bandits or those seeking to do violence to hide, and no one could possibly pursue them after their crime. Attacks happened on this road every day, all of the time. You avoided the road to Jericho whenever you could, but for some reason, this man had to travel it. It is the way he must go to do what he needs to do. And Jesus' audience would have been alert and worried for him the minute Jesus started mentioning this road. They would have perked up and been uncomfortable as they listened. Now, by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. Now, it is tempting, and, and I have always done this until I was researching this week for this scripture, when we hear this part of the scripture to judge the priest and the Levite immediately. Why wouldn't they help? What's wrong with these people? Thank God I'm not like that. But we need to dig a little deeper, otherwise our interpretation of this parable, if we're not careful, can become anti-Semitic or anti-Jewish. And we make all kinds of assumptions about the priests and the Levites of this time. You see, we have to remember that parables are a story. And in Jesus' time, it was commonplace for a story to begin with the phrase, a priest and a Levite came by. Just as we might begin a story or a joke today with a doctor, a lawyer, and a priest walked into a bar. <laughs> and just as we know that when someone says a doctor, a lawyer, and a priest walked into a bar, they're going to tell a joke. Back in the day, when someone said a priest and a Levite came by, 
everyone in the audience would have known that the next person in that phrase was an Israelite. So whenever anyone started a story with a priest and a Levite came by 2,000 years ago, the folks gathered there knew that the person the story was about was an Israelite. The Israelite was the natural next step, the only character possible to enter the story. But the text continues. A Samaritan, while traveling near him, saw him, and he was moved with pity. He went to him and bandaged his wounds. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him, and when I come back, I will repay you whatever you spend. This is where the parable would have truly shocked Jesus' audience 2,000 years ago. And it should shock us today. Because it wasn't an Israelite that showed up to help like Jesus' audience would have been expecting. It was a Samaritan. And Samaritans were the arch enemies of the Israelites. Both the Israelites and the Samaritans made claims about being the true followers of God. They had set up rival temples. They all thought that they were the closest to God, and because of that, they hated each other. Every member of Jesus' audience knew that the Samaritans were no good. A.J. Levine teaches and writes that Jesus' audience, upon hearing that it was a Samaritan who helped the wounded man, would have been dumbfounded and aghast. It would have been like us hearing this story today and learning that it was a murderer or a terrorist or someone equally cast as villainous and evil in our world today. The parable of the good murderer who helps the man on the side of the road. And the Samaritan doesn't just help the wounded man, he offers him ongoing support. Did y'all notice that? He takes him to an inn and he works on him for a while and then he has to go. So he gives the innkeeper whatever the innkeeper needs to continue to help this man. Spend whatever it takes, he tells the innkeeper. I've got this Samaritan, I will pay for it. Jesus should startle you, his teachings should shock you, and if he doesn't and they don't, you're doing something wrong. With our Bible in one hand and our newspaper in the other, Jesus and the parable of the Good Samaritan have a response for us this morning, a response to those pictures of children in detention centers behind fences, sleeping cot to cot, separated from their parents, some sick. Because you see, those children would have walked across and through dangerous territory. They have moved in torturous, treacherous spaces because it is what they must do to find safety. Maybe it was their parents who led them. Maybe they were forced out of their homes in other countries, but for whatever reason, they found themselves on a dangerous road, much like that road to Jericho, and they had no option but to walk it. And now they are wounded. Now they, like the victims in Jesus' parable this morning, have experienced systemic pain and violence, and they are there on the side of the road waiting for someone to help them. And it is tempting for all of us to share opinions about the worth of these children and their parents. We may think they are our enemies, less than somehow undeserving of our hope and our help. But no matter what we think, about their parents, or about immigration, that doesn't separate us from the fact of these children. 
Jesus should startle you, his teaching should shock you, and if he doesn't and they don't, you're doing something wrong. Go and do likewise are the final words we hear from Jesus this morning. Go and do likewise. I can't think of a better benediction. There is a man, and he sees someone he despises on the side of the road, and he steps over, and without questioning the victim's motives or worth, he helps him. He helps him with his whole self, offering all of his resources for continual support of the one before him who is in need. And this morning we are commanded, told, no matter how uncomfortable it may be, to go and do likewise. We already do this in so many ways, and I know we can keep doing it 7th Street, because I know us and I am proud to be a part of this congregation. So let us go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. May it be so. Amen. And now I hope you'll join me in singing hymn 589, Lord, I Want to Be a Christian. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Oh, and you may be seated. My apologies. Loving God, with the words and teachings of your Son and our Savior Jesus, you call us to discomfort. You call us to look into the eyes of those who suffer, see them, and act even when it is difficult, even when we are afraid, even when we are not quite sure what to do. 
Still your spirit and your son whisper to us, go and do likewise, go and do likewise, go and do likewise. Today we are grateful for the ways you have met us during our own lonely and painful journeys and for the ways you continue to meet us still in our own anxieties, our fears, our loneliness, and our grief. We pray for those travelers who struggle and are in search of help, and we ask that you lead us to those we might serve. We also celebrate those who are moving through life's joys and triumphs on this Sabbath day. Just as you weep with the ones who mourn, so you delight with those who are joyous. For the laughter, the love, the places where we find warmth and home and safety, we give you thanks, Holy One. May we be the church you call us to be, servants, leaders, those who seek to follow our Lord faithfully and with great love and compassion. We pray these things in the name of Jesus, our Lord and our hope. Amen. We come to the time now in our service where we are asked to give. And at 7th Street Christian Church, we strive to go and do likewise wherever and whenever we can. The resources we give, our time and talent and financial gifts, allow us to be present with those who are hurted, wounded, and in need of our care. Let us give as we are able, so that we may too go and do likewise.
Let us pray. Holy One, you call us to be your people, and in doing so, to lend our voices, our lives, ourselves, and our gifts to your work of justice and equality in the world. May these gifts, given generously and with great hope, be a part of your mission and your call. May they empower us to go and do likewise. We pray these things in the name of Jesus, our Lord and our hope. Amen. You may be seated. And to disagree about almost everything in the Christian Church Disciples of Christ, the denomination that 7th Street is a part of, because we are a non-creedal tradition. This means that no one gets to tell us what to believe or who to be. We get to faithfully figure out what it means for, to follow Jesus for each of us. We figure it out as individuals while we are rooted deeply within this community. And I think it is a beautiful way to be church. There are some beliefs I know we can agree on, though. I know we all agree that God calls us to love our neighbors, calls us to radical compassion, and calls us to go and do likewise in whatever way that might look like for us. Here at this table with this bread and cup, these elements, we are given the substance and the strength we need to do this hard work of loving our world and caring for those who hurt. Join me now in singing our communion hymn, Jesu, Jesu, hymn 600, verses 1 and 5. Together here at this table, we remember. We remember that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he blessed it and he broke it, saying, this is my body that is for you. Take and eat in remembrance of me. 
And in the same manner, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant poured out for you in my blood. Do this as often as you drink of it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord until the Lord comes again. This is God's table, and it is set with the radical hospitality of our Lord Jesus Christ, and we believe that all are welcome here. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your sacrifice of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. As we come together for this communion service and in the quiet of this moment, we remember the words of Jesus when he said to his disciples in the upper room, do this in remembrance of me. God bless this bread, the symbol of Jesus' broken body and all who partake so that we can feel the peace and the strength of your and Jesus' presence in our hearts, minds, and souls at this moment and throughout our lives. Lord, in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior, we pray. Amen. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
Let us pray. Holy One, you have met us here at this table in this bread and this cup, and you are meeting us still, always meeting us, always moving, always calling us to go and do likewise. May we, strengthened by these elements and renewed by this worship and the gathering of your saints, live faithfully in service to you and our neighbor and one another. Together as those whom you call to serve, we remember the prayer your son taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And now, my friends, let us join our voices in our closing hymn, In Christ There Is No East or West, number 687, verses 1, 3, and 4. Please stand as you are able. This morning, my friends, go from this place knowing above all that you are loved. You are held and cherished by a living and loving God, and you are redeemed and made new. And in celebration of that, as you venture into a world deeply in need of our service, our care, and our love, remember that we are called by our Lord and Savior Jesus to go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. Amen.